0: This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach, and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. I'm so thrilled to have our next guest. Early in his selling career, Giles sold recruitment services in China. He sold leadership development programs in Japan, then went to work for Huffweight Inc. in Singapore, where he sold and eventually led the uh, Asia Pacific and Japan sales team. That's where our paths crossed. And then he made the leap into sales strategy and enablement, doing that at ServiceNow, and Snowflake, and he is now the Global Vice President of Go-to-Market Enablement, it's a mouthful, at Mimecast. Welcome, Giles Giddings. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to, thrilled to have you, thrilled to see you. I love having uh, members of the old Huthwaite crew join. We didn't work a lot together, but our paths did cross and uh, respected your work, and, and I, know, I know how capable and effective you are in that role. So thrilled to see your success since Let's just dive in because I want to talk about your experience as a seller and as a leader, but also now as a go-to-market enablement leader. That's hard to say. It's a lot of words. (laughs) And because you're you're looking at sales leadership and selling effectiveness from a a slightly different perspective. You're not doing, you're enabling, uh, but leading a global function that does that. So let's just dive right in. And I'd love to hear what is the most important lesson that you've learned so far about leading a sales team or leading a team in general?
1: I think it's a, a, a really good question, uh, Matt, and, and something that, you know, my, my experience, like you mentioned, having worked in uh, being a salesperson, being a sales leader, and then having to, you know, work, work within the enablement function to support sales, it gives me kind of a unique position. Not everyone does that that's in the enablement space and understands how, you know, the sales organization thinks. So I think it's important in both roles that you lead by example but you've got to be able to demonstrate the qualities and the behaviors that you want your people to to drive and and to and to be able to do And i think that's that's pretty challenging if you don't actually understand what it is to do that role if you've never carried a bag and you or you've never led a team and had to think about how you run your forecast calls and you know work with other other departments and navigate the cro work with the customer so i think really being able to understand that and then lead and demonstrate how to do that effectively is important.
0: Yeah. No, I've I've seen that having been in the room with sales leaders and enablement leaders at the same time. You know, if there's a gap or if there's a a, credit, a credibility gap perhaps, right? If they don't believe that you understand their world, then the value of what you give to them is is diminished,
1: right? They don't they don't there's a, a lack of trust perhaps. Is that is that what you're what you've seen? 100% and what happens is is in in the worst case scenarios is you become the training folks right and that and that huh. happens in even with some of the best enablement people is that when she hits the fan if you'd like if you want to call it that then and you know business needs to come in or we need to you know secure renewals or you know we want to, give, we want to drive revenue at the end of the quarter The the enablement folks become a back, back foot and then people start focused on what are the real priorities, what are the business drivers, what are the things that are going to drive revenue? The key, I think, to being a successful enablement leader, strategy leader, operations leader, um, and working with sales is aligning the core programs that you're delivering, the core initiatives with revenue generation. And I think that's where it becomes super important because then you do have a seat at the table. You are there actually on the front lines because you understand what it takes to get those deals over the line. Yeah,
0: you know, there may be, for some people listening that are currently in a sales leadership role or maybe thinking about making the move into enablement, they may be hearing that. and be like, yes, that makes sense, but I wonder how Giles has done it specifically. Give an example or a quick story, something that somebody could relate to so they they better understand what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think we obviously making that transition from sales to enablement was, was difficult. Uh, it was a difficult transition to make for many reasons, you know, that being operationally fed by the, by a quarter and, you know, always coin by like coin operated uh, was a difficult transition to make back in the day. I think, you know, one of the things that I did when I led a sales team was really sort of focus on what are the things that were, what were the things that were driving and motivating them? And I think what, we have to do is really kind of drive accountability at, at the core level. So I used to do a lot of work with teams in terms of how do you kind of, say, you know, focus on and you know, what to focus on. And I think a lot of sales teams today talk about focusing on value and driving customer value, but struggle with that and struggle to be able to think about it on the customer side. And so, you know, I, I went through a fairly big um, sort of transition when I moved into into, into now about how do we get more customer focused? How do we focus on the value that the customer's getting from this, this interaction? And that was a big shift for a lot of sellers at the time to make. And I still think it is. We all talk about value, but I think it's, it can be challenging to actually really understand and articulate the value and put that in the, into the frame of the customer and how they feel about it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, just thinking about your
0: role today, and even what we did back, many years ago, working for Huthwaite, when we're trying to get people to commit to, to customer-focused behavior. It can be too big, uh, right? It's, it's such a, a, it's a huge mindset shift for certain people. And you mentioned accountability, driving accountability. Driving accountability to customer-focused behavior means really you're, you're asking a salesperson or a leader to commit to some very small, very, very small change. That moves in the direction of being more sort of customer focused in how they operate, right? I mean, that's is that how the accountability thing ties into to what
1: you're saying? I think so for sure, and 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 it and it's the role I think of today's leaders in sales, in enablement, wherever they are, is to how do you figure out how to reduce the noise and then produce the insight or the the for them to video to go and do it to do an action and what i mean by that is there is you know all of the sales people and managers will will on this call we're listening to this call will be saying you know i don't know where to focus i've got so many things i've got marketing trying to get me i've got hr trying to get me i've got enablement trying to with things and so you know everything's a p1 everything's a priority and so it's very difficult for a seller or a sales manager who obviously is another pivotal role to understand well where should i be focusing my attention and so they either get sort of bubbled up to the things that focus on, on, that they get shouted the loudest, or the things that represent themselves in the right way. And I think in today's world, with the change in the way that buyers are buying, the, 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 the amount of information that's available, the amount of information that's hitting us, we have to think as leaders, how can we help our salespeople and managers be more effective? How can we reduce that noise and get them to really focus on the things that are going to be productive? And, you know, and I, I hate to talk about AI because you know everyone's talking about it right now, but when you start thinking about the technologies and the data that's available, it's how do you surface that and start to provide sales leadership with insight? So reduce the noise and provide them with, with the, the right information at the right time so that they can do their job effectively. And that's across the board. That's in everything that's to do with revenue generation. Sure. That sounds an awful lot like selling, right? Like we're trying to
0: capture or create value for customers. They've got a constant flow of information. They've got high expectations for the quality of information and and what we provide. And we've got to find a way to like, it's like a rifle shot, right? Just hitting them in the right moment with just the right thing. Same sounds like the same is true of your relationship with sales leaders and the sellers that you enable. Is Is that a fair...
1: Yeah, 100 percent And in a recent Gartner study last year in in 2022, they was they, they were sort of stating that, you know, basically in the entire lifecycle of a of a sale or a journey there, the, the, the sales rep only gets about five percent of that time in that whole journey with the customer, which means they have to be much more effective. They have to be able to articulate the value, demonstrate the value, uncover the issues and the problems that they can solve when they may not even be involved in some of that sales process early on, and getting the right access to the people that they need to to be able to make the decision. Yeah. So you're
0: you're currently responsible at Mindcast for leading the team that enables salespeople to do this really challenging work. And f- you know, following your career and the path that you're that you've been on, I'm going to presume that you really love this. You must because you do, you invest so much time and effort and brain power into it. So, what do you love most about Leading a team, whether it's your current team of go-to-market enablers or a
1: sales team, like what do you love most about that part of the job? So I think the thing I love the most is actually building a team and having a strong culture. Like having a team of people that collectively are going after a, a strategic goal or and um, strategic goals or revenue. You know, whether that be revenue, whether that be influencing the ability to drive revenue. Uh, I think you know they're the things that get me up in the morning helping teams to be able to you know, helping people come in i have had over my experience you know people early in their career and people very late in their career i've even had people that you know were my boss 15 years ago that have you know now come to work for me and several times uh, because they wanted different things and lifestyle choices and i think you may know one of them um yeah yeah i do and, and being able to help people sounds, you know reach their full potential and be part of something bigger than themselves. And again, you know, in sales teams, you can be the best-selling company in the world, but if you don't have a strong culture, if you're not driving the right kind of environment for people to work in, especially today, then you won't be successful in term. Yeah. You know, I, well, I hear that
0: answer, and one of the things I pull from it is that development, helping people to reach their full potential, developing them, and you know, doing, doing it overtly so is really key to building the sort of culture that you want to build. And, and I would, that sounds a lot like a winning culture to me, right? People know not only are we effective and are we winning, but we're, we're getting better. I'm getting better at my job because my coach, Giles, helps me
1: and I know exactly how he's helping. Is that, is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, you talk about coaching and companies, you know, it's been interesting. I've only been at Mimecast for a short amount of time. I recently started. And I've been really impressed with their culture and how inclusive it is, and how much it's about driving their values and and taking you know the 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 Mindcast family, if you like, on a on a journey. I think there are also the the role of a of a leader today is to be that coach and be and be that person that can help to bring the best out of people. I also think that there are you know some services that are available today as well that you start to see as as we kind of move into that kind of World where you know it's like Uber or Deliveroo. There are there are now services around things like coaching where you can actually get mm. a coaching as a service, uh, yeah. and that that's phenomenal because then you can managers compare with that and then start to think about what are the things that they want to drive, and what are the things that their coach that's being paid for that they can you know spend time with help to drive them as well. And you know I've seen in places where we've implemented that idea, I've seen salespeople sales leaders get coaching and become really good and i've seen them get coaching and decide actually maybe they're not in the right role and so you know everyone's been talking about coaching for many years i think again we're now at a point where it's very accessible and everyone should consider doing it if they if they are not happy or they want to improve performance Uh amen as a member of the coaching and advisory industry
0: i (laughs) i appreciate the plug yeah but in all seriousness, I mean, there, there's a reason that there's an industry of coaches that has sort of grown up around sales leaders in particular. I'm, I'm part of that, of course. But in that implies that, and it actually ties into something you said, it's possible that when you receive coaching, you, you could come to the conclusion that this is awesome. I want to develop. I want to get better. And this is the path I want to pursue. It's also possible you, conclu- you could conclude, this is not for me. And I know people that have come to that conclusion. I've been present with some of them at the time where it's like, look, this is not the right thing. What in your opinion, in your experience as a leader, but also as an enabler of leaders, what do you think is the most challenging part of leading a, a sales organization uh, today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's, there's various different peaks which are really, really difficult. I think the biggest one that always was for me was how do you get a team consistently to perform? Especially if you're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm operating the enterprise sales space um, and have done for the last 15 years, you know, and if you uh-huh. think of a span of control across a team, anywhere from, you know, four to eight, it can be more or less, but how do you get them to consistently all perform? Because that's ultimately what an organization is working for. And ultimately as a manager and as a leader and a friend of these people is what you're looking for for your team, right? You want them all to continually be successful, to be hitting their numbers, and achieving their goals. So I think, I think that's really, really hard um, to, to do that consistently. And it comes down to coaching. It comes down to having a system a lot of the time that you can fall back on to drive that. You're never going to, I don't think, you know, you know, I don't know many people that get it right, you know, year on year, quarter on quarter, and they really can drive it like that. But having those things will mitigate it. I think the other piece which I find managers find difficult, and I find difficult to be fair, is the balance between managing the team and coaching the team. Like when do you play the role of the manager and, and have to drive certain things and when do you play that role of the coach? And do you have yeah. the skills to coach and be an effective coach and do you have the time to take and, you know, and, and, and drive the right kind of outcomes when you're trying to hit the number or you're trying to drive to a result? It's tough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the balance is, you know, I'm rooting for my team, right? I want to develop them. I want, the, I want them to achieve their personal goals. I'm on their side. But then there are times I have to play the heavy and be the one who's like, look, we're not, you're not meeting expectations, right?
1: That's a tough change to make, right? It's a pivot. And I think that's what you're, what you're speaking 100%. to here, right? Yeah. It's, it's how do you maintain that balance and drive it when you, when you've, you've got to build a team, especially, you know, out of COVID, you've, you've got to try and a lot of teams have not been together. You need to build that camaraderie and you need to build the relationships. Then you've also got to, you know, make sure that people are performing, especially in a yeah. tougher market that we're in today. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales at www.divinecomedyofsales.com.
0: If I'm a new leader and I'm just now sort of catching up, catching on to the fact that that's a challenge, right? It's the good guy, bad guy at part of the job. What advice would you give me? Like how, how, could, how can I help sort of work through that challenge in particular? What have you done or what have you seen great leaders do that maybe makes it a little easier to sort of make that, that jump, that pivot? I think, you know, going
1: back to some of the things we just talked about, but like having a system, having a way that you manage the sales team, which is consistent, I think is critical. I think, you know, developing yourself, right? Developing your... Right. I call it EQ, really different things, but really understanding yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, the differences between you and other people and, and, and using those to be able to have the right kind of conversations, I think is, is really important. And being able to say, be consistent, like, you know, it's, it's the best sales leaders I've seen are the ones that are the most level headed and consistent and they operationalize their business whether they're a oh. rep, and I've seen them go from reps to being, you know, GOVPs, global VPs, but they, they have a, a system. They take the best pieces from anything that they do, whether that be enablement or any engagement, and they, they integrate that into their system that they work. Obviously, there's transitions you need to make as you go from being a rep to a, a manager and a manager to director, and as you start to think about you know, further up the field, but they always have that system that they fall back on. And more and more and more, because it's easier to do, they're using data to make their decisions. You know, there's a, a couple of things that you said that I think are really critical. And I'll summarize this in a little more detail
0: in a few minutes, but you said essentially the best, one of the, the, the best thing you can do, do for yourself as a leader to be able to kind of ride the line, right? Being the developer and coach and the supportive leader versus the manager who holds people to account and make sure they're delivering is to commit to a system and develop yourself. I'll add one more thing. I think it also helps that you have that your leader, right? so if you're a, a leader of leaders and you answer up to a chief sales officer or a third line or higher, helps a great deal when your leader is bought in on the need for you to continue yes. to develop. Right? Yes. Um, I've seen in a lot of organizations where there seems to be this sort of line that's unspoken that when you, when you reach a certain level of leadership, a certain level of responsibility, we, we stop developing. Like No, that's, that's the absolute worst mistake you can make. These are the people that have massive impact on the performance of your sales organization. It doesn't matter if they're a second or third line leader. If they're committed to a system, to your point, and they know that they need to develop you're sending a really strong message to them one way or the other, positive or negative, by continuing to develop them or support their development or not. And I think as that's one of the big differences I've seen in the most successful sales organizations is there is no level of the sales leadership team where, where development stops. It's just they're all fully bought in.
1: I wonder if you've they- seen the same thing. 100%. The most successful people that I've had the privilege to work for over the last 15 years, and some of them have been very successful CROs, you know, and other C-level executives, are super inquisitive. They never stop learning, and they're constantly looking for opportunities to better themselves. They're humble, yeah, and they are always looking for a way to understand something and make those connections between the information they have yeah. and what somebody who's considered maybe an expert does and that's why they're able to lead teams effectively. They're they're able to work with our customers effectively, and they're able to build big businesses eventually. Yeah. I think that connects up with the first, the important leadership lesson you shared at the beginning
0: of this conversation, right? Which is lead by example. You want your people to learn and develop and invest in development, develop others. What, What behavior are you modeling for them? Are you a learner yourself? Are you overtly demonstrating that you're invested in your own development, that you're getting better every day too? Because if not, that's not leading by example. Or maybe it is, but it's the wrong example. So I think that's a pretty powerful, powerful lesson for people listening to, to hear. Giles, I'm conscious of time. I've got one more sort of big open question I'd love to ask you. Sure. Uh, because it's my way of capturing, there's probably some other nugget or something else that's bouncing around in your brain that will be super valuable. And my question is, Giles, what else? What else What else do I need to know? What else do the listeners need to, delo- to know about leading, developing others, things that you've learned? Hit us with, right. with anything else that you think is important for us to know.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think it, it, I, it, I'll go back to what we were talking about there in some respect. You know, I, like if I think about where the, the defining moment, I look at defining moments in life. Like where were the moments where it could have gone one way or another, right? <laughs> I had a few where it could have gone, yeah. you know, probably the wrong way. And it probably did a few times and I corrected it. But I think if I go back to the kind of pivotal moment, and it was when I started to get really, really interested, it started from looking, when I was a salesperson, I wanted to know why could I sell to some people and not others? That was the the premise for um, me going on a bit of a personal development journey. And so I got into looking at you know reading about NLP and Tony Robbins and all of these different things. And I decided to invest on a, on a course that was, the onus of that course was to go and sell more. I wanted to become a better salesperson and earn more money. I was young and that was the, the reason. It was a long course. It was about three weeks. It fundamentally changed my life. It gave me more insight into the way that I was thinking and I was operating and the strategies that I was using to be effective. In fact, fairly ineffective. I made those changes and that's what put me on the trajectory and got me where I am today. And I think when I look at, to the point where I talk about sales leaders and people on the, and we start talking about coaching and developing teams, often if the team's not performing, sometimes you've got to look internally and look at why are they not performing? Are you Have you got the right strategies? Are you engaging them in the right way? And so self-development, coaching, things like that that can be done outside of work can be game changers for you to one, reach your full potential to run successful teams if you stay in sales or do other things within a business context.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, it's, there's a distinct possibility that someone listening to this conversation may be having a defining moment right now and they're hearing that. They're like, shoot, what am I doing? There's a great story that another guest, Mario McCracken and I had on a few weeks ago. And there was a mentor he had who asked him early in his career, you know, what, so what, what sales books are you reading right now? Like, what are you learning? And Mario was like, nothing. And, and his mentor at the time basically asked him, so, so you don't, so you don't take this seriously then, do you? And that was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is how I'm putting food on the table for my family. Of course I take it seriously. And I, and this in other individuals point was, must not be true if you're not investing additional time to learn and try to crack the code on the things
1: you're not great at so yeah 100% and I think the added piece to that is that okay you know you may have been able to sit by your laurels and not research and not bring the latest knowledge in place and you know if you think about behavior and sales etc hasn't changed that much probably over the last 30 40 50 years it's about to right I think we're all aware of it and then again another buzzword I'll plug AI again but as that starts to come more technology starts to drive the sale more we have less and less time to be able to sit and wait. It is moving then- at such a fast rate. Uh, in my space, it's crazy how much the technology is advancing and the benefits we're going to be able to give to the field off the back of that technology. Yeah. It does mean you need to set of skills. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the, the range in which you can create value for a buyer now, it just keeps getting narrower and narrower, which means you've got to raise your skills. So, So for those listening, I'll do a quick summary here in a moment, I'm gonna thank Giles before I do that. But the key is whether you're in a go-to-market enablement, sales enablement, leadership role, or you're currently a sales leader or an aspiring sales leader, ask yourself the question, what am I doing right now to invest in my own capability? Because the game around me has changed. Am I doing anything about that to prepare myself? to create value for others, whether it's an internal value creation role like you have today, or whether it's an external one, somebody who's carrying a bag and selling. So Giles, this has been fantastic. I wish we had another several hours together, but you're a busy man. And I'm gonna uh, thank you for joining us. I'm gonna summarize a few key points for the audience, but this was wonderful. So great to see you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. You know, as Giles mentioned, he's got a really unique perspective on leadership, having been a, you know, an individual contributor, a bag carrying sales rep, then a sales manager, running a you know, fairly sizable geography, then moving into enablement. And he's had a series of pretty big enablement leadership roles over the last several years. And I found some of the things he said about culture and driving performance are, are pretty universal. But like I said, he's got a really unique perspective because he's driving change uh, both from within a sales organization, but also kind of from the outside, from a supporting function. So he said a few things that I want to kind of repeat here, because I think you can do something with these ideas and apply them directly to the role of a sales leader, to your role. One of the biggest challenges that he said in his current role and even in past roles has been driving consistent performance. Does that sound familiar to you? It does to me. And he, he offered some ideas, high-level ideas about, like, what does it really take to drive consistent performance? Now, Giles is clearly a systems thinker, right? And he talked about building a system or assembling a system, but more importantly, really committing to that system. And once you've done that, keeping the focus on developing yourself as a leader and as an operator of that system. Now, what does that really mean? I think the key thing is, I see a lot of sales leaders kind of dabbling with things. Like they'll try one system for a little while, a year or 18 months, and they really don't stay committed. One of the things that Giles said he's observed is the best leaders he knows exhibit a certain degree of consistency, consistency in their operating rhythm, a sort of level-headedness about how they do the work. I've seen that too. So I totally support and agree with that. So as you think about that and reflect upon your own execution as a leader, I want, I want you to consider really strongly, do I have a system? Have we committed to one? Um, am I getting better as the leader of the team that's using that system? Uh, or am I sort of flailing about and, and jumping from one system to the next to the next when I don't see the results that I want? Something else that he said that I thought is, again, directly relevant to a lot of the people listening to this show is he was talking about building a strong culture which he has done both as a sales leader and as a sales enablement leader. He said a few things that I think are really important. You build a strong culture by, certainly by hiring well, hiring the right people and influencing their development. So having a sense of the kind of people who will be a fit in your culture, but also remaining invested and focused on their development and understanding your role as a developer of people, because it's one thing to hire people who would be a good fit into your culture, it's quite another to continually help them fit and contribute more and more and add more value over time, which just goes to strengthening the culture overall. You know, he said something else, he was talking about one of the one of the uh, more recent roles he's had uh, where focusing on customer value, gosh, we've heard that a lot, right? but I think we've been talking about customer value, especially in the sales performance business for a few decades now. But, but he said something that struck me. He said, focusing on customer value is still a really big shift for a lot of sellers. So it's 2023, or maybe you're listening to this in 2024 or later. Make note of that, right? We've been talking about focusing on value for the customer, being customer focused for a really long time. And yet- there are still people that struggle to make that shift to really committing to being customer focused and helping customers understand the value that we deliver. Sounds like a huge opportunity. I know Giles is up for the task. I'm thrilled for the uh, organization at Mimecast that they've got him aboard. What I challenge you to think about is if your organization needs to make a shift and be more customer focused or be more focused on delivering value for customers, That's an ongoing battle. You may have a great team of customer-focused sellers. Giles experiences map with mine. It's an ongoing battle. It takes time to make that shift. So I wanna thank Giles for spending the time with us. He's got so much experience that's relevant for all of us, whether you're leading a sales team or an entire organization or the sales enablement function. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. In our next conversation, I'm going to have another fantastic sales leader. She has a lot to share on uh, virtuous leadership in her role. Until then, I'm Matt McDarby, author and host of The Divine Comedy of Sales. Thank you so much for joining. Bye-bye for now.